Hello, everyone, and such a warm welcome to you all, wherever you're coming in from today, this evening. This is the third discussion, um, and welcome again to you. Uh, if this is your first time, this is the discussion series in alliance with CNN's original series, The Redemption Project with Van Jones, and I'm Molly Rowan Leach. It's an honor to be with you here tonight. I'm co-hosting tonight with some wonderful people, and then, of course, we have very special guests with us that we're going to be conversing with. And I'll say a bit more about both of them in just a moment, but I wanted to just remind everyone that you have an opportunity to engage in a free public forum and platform called Restorative Justice on the Rise, and we're honored to be in alliance with Van's team and the Redemption Project to provide this opportunity for some deeper discussion and reflection. Restorative Justice on the Rise was founded in 2011 to provide connection, advocacy, education, and inspire action as a public service to individuals and communities seeking to proactively improve relationships and structures within their spheres and within our world. Tonight, I'm so happy to announce that our co-hosts are Eric Butler and Cassidy Friedman of the internationally acclaimed documentary Circles, which illuminates Eric's story as a key catalyst of the Oakland U United School District's restorative justice in education movement, also known as RJE, and also shines light on the work of restorative practices within schools. Cassidy is the director and also founder of Stories Matter Media, and for more information about Circles, the documentary, please visit circlesmovie.com. On top of that, Eric would like to cordially, cordially invite everyone to the real talk conversation about healing racial harm and all things race, and that's coming up May 24th and 25th in Oakland. So without further ado, tonight we have, of course, Donald Lacey with us and Karina Montag of Stronghold. Don is a Bay Area-based actor, stand-up comic, broadcaster, activist, and playwright. He founded the Love Life Foundation in 1997 as a tribute to his slain 16-year-old daughter, Loishe whose name also means love life. She was a victim of random urban gun violence. He felt he had a score to settle, not with the boys who mistakenly took his daughter's life, but against the poverty, hopelessness, misguided anger, and other forces that devour young lives. The organization offers programs for young people, including mentoring, a school safety program, training in video and radio production and theater performance, civic engagement, town hall meetings, public service announcements, and vigils to remember young people slain on the streets. The Foundation and Mr. Lacey have received about 27 civic and government awards and citations to date. And as I mentioned a moment ago, Loishe Adanma, in Ibo Nigerian, Loishe means to love life, and Adama means daughter of beauty. 
And of course, those of you who saw Sunday's episode know a bit more about the story um, and the extremely heartbreaking, heart-wrenching events that rolled out on the night of October 20th, 1997. Dawn um, says that three months before Loishe's death, she had endured the death of a friend and asked her father to help her write a play about stopping the violence. Also with us tonight, of course, is Karina Montag, who is a facilitator and support in, in that process that they embarked upon. Um, Karina is drawn to the tr transformative work of trauma healing, truth-telling, and rigorous accountability, and centers the experiences of those directly impacted by personal and state violence, and believes in community responses to harm. Karina has worked at the intersection of mental health and social justice for nearly 20 years in multi-stressed communities, with an emphasis the past 10 on the impact of harm, accountability, and restorative practices in carceral settings. Holding the belief that well-being is integral to achieving community safety, Karina has trained hundreds of community members in the practices and principles of restorative justice and circle-keeping for the Insight Prison Project, consulted with and facilitated racial justice processes for nonprofits and educators, as well as consulted on tertiary prevention in Central America. Karina is a co-founder of and serves on the leadership team for the Transformative Prison Work Group, or TPW, a statewide coalition of individuals and organizations um, that believes in the transformative and healing power of in-prison programs to break isolation, share ideas, and build political power, an integral step towards abolition. She also received the Harriet Whitman Lee Partnership Award from the Association for Dispute Resolution of Northern California and Oakland's finest award from the Love Life Foundation. For more about Stronghold, please visit the website wearestronghold.org also, of course, the Insight Prison Project is linked at the CNN website. And um, for the Love Life Foundation, that's lovelifefoundation.org. And just a quick note for all of you who might be wondering how to access previous episodes, all you need to do is go to CNN, or excuse me, go.cnn.com. You can log in with your TV provider there, your cable provider to access previous episodes if you've missed any of them. You also can subscribe to Sling Television, which provides you a DVR option as well to record episodes. And just want to acknowledge and thank um, Chris um, for his participation in this series. Although he's not with us tonight, we send our thoughts and gratitude to him and also to Van's team um, Van's team at the Redemption Project, at um, the, uh, the team of producers, um, CNN, and of course um, to the Reform Alliance for their recently launched work. Of course, we encourage you to check out all of those spots for um, more resources and information. Van has been involved in the restorative justice and um, incarceration reduction movements for a good period of his lifetime. 
So we just want to acknowledge him as well for doing this series and for bringing us all together. And without further ado, of course, we're here tonight to have a deeper discussion and reflection. And I want to open up our mics to our very special guests, Don and Karina. And again, a warm welcome. And I'm here with my co-hosts, Eric and Cassidy as well. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So this discussion is for Loishe, and I'd like to, if I may, just start it out with a, a simple question for you both. Um, and, of course, whoever would like to start, uh, please do. Just would like to know a little bit more about what might be present for you since the process um, that we got to see a part of um, during Episode 3. What's present for you now? Um, Don all day. I'm Karina, you want to go? Want to go. <laughs> go ahead. No, you <laughs> I can go first. Well, um, um, yeah. Since, since the, go ahead, Karina, go ahead. Um, I, I would say that what feels the most present for me, um, after having watched the episode with Donald and with Christopher is, um, is just the, the impact and the reality of having made such a personal journey for both, both Donald and Christopher and their families public. Um, there's a, I feel a tremendous amount of protectiveness for, for both of them and for their families. I think that this has been a long and arduous journey to get to the places that, um, that you've all seen that we were able to see on, in Sunday's episode. And, there's a whole aftercare aspect now that now that um, both both Donald and Christopher have taken this journey together, what what happens now? Where 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 are they each in their process? And um, and sharing that with the with the general public felt both. Um, a little, honestly, a little destabilizing because it's something that has happened in such privacy for so, so long, for over a year. So, um, and, and also, of course, trusting each of their agency and that these are decisions that they made and um, and chose to share this experience with with everyone out there. So for me, that's what's really present after having seen it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, um, first of all, uh, thank you again for having us. And uh, Karina is uh, definitely a very special person to me for a lot of reasons, not just for um, helping facilitate this discussion um, with Chris, but just what she does and what I've borne witness to what she does is just amazing. And um, uh, for me, 
it started 20, over 20 years ago when uh, I was called at 3 o'clock in the morning by a detective saying that they had a confession in the case and that someone had confessed. And uh, that morning when I went to uh, the press conference uh, upstairs with the detectives, when they told me that the young man knew my daughter and that he had been, you know, probably to our house when she was young and his conscience, uh, from that moment I always felt that he had a conscience because had he not confessed, he more than likely would have never went to jail for 20 years for that offense. So the the wanting to forgive began there because I felt that he had a conscience, and that said to me that he had redemptive qualities as a human being. And, uh, you know, it was something that I tried to broach for years. I, I started 10 years ago, before, long before I met Karina, with some uh, officials at San Quentin, and due to various red tape and people leaving the positions, it just seemed to be we were stuck in the mud. And then maybe two or three years ago, uh, the restorative opportunity came, and I forget. It was someone from the prison initially, I believe. Um, long story short, and, um, um, uh, I'm sorry, the, the German lady, Karina, whose name escapes me, I'm sorry, Martina. I had started discussions with her and then with Karina. And, uh, and after over a year and a half or whatever it was of meeting and, and getting prepared for the process up, and I must say uh, I'm thankful to one of the producers who allowed me to come to her house three weeks before this aired to watch it, just the two of us, because uh, once it aired, I have I had already knew what to expect, and I watched it with my family Sunday night, and I guess that night I was fine. We took my wife out for Mother's Day dinner, and, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit, but yesterday I got to say I was in a deep, dark rabbit hole that I couldn't get out of. And um, <clears throat> it just brought up uh, a lot of pain, um, some anger. Um, you know, every time I see the video footage of that van all shot up, and you know, it just took me in a place I didn't expect. So it took me 24 hours afterwards to come out. And to be honest, I was debating this morning whether I could even you know, partake in this conversation, but, you know, I, 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 I thought about it and prayed on it, and here I am. So it, it brought up a lot for me, um, and, you know, it's, it's something I said in the ex episode when people say, well, you know, you're going to get closure, and as I said, there's no closure for people like me who have gone through this, and I I try to mentor those who have just recently lost their kids including Council Member Lynette McElhaney, whose son was murdered a few months ago. And I just, the best advice I can give is you never get over it or, or there's never closure, but the best you can do is try to manage each day. So that's what I try to do. Don, <clears throat> thank you so much, man. Um, you are a, a true inspiration. Um of 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 peace. I, I I think after watching the episode last night, um, after pondering what does this mean to me, 
Um, I, I too have I lost my sister to, um, to murder in 2006. Um, and I felt kindred, um, between the two of us. Um, and it looked like so much love sitting in that chair. Um, you exude so much, everything that love says, your expressions, your mannerisms, um, told that story of love. And, and, and I, I want to appreciate you for that. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. <clears throat> Karina, oftentimes people confuse restorative justice with circle. Um, and I've had this conversation so many times. Um, but can we have a discussion about just real briefly, like what is restorative justice in the first place? What is this thing that we're doing um, that, that that's making people feel um, like they want to um, to express themselves and 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 mm-hmm. get in touch with parts of themselves that they haven't ever? What is this thing? Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that question, Eric. You know, I mean, I spoke to a little bit in the episode, but, uh, but of course, there's more that I think that didn't make it. And so restorative justice in its truest sense is what, what this series is highlighting. When there is an opportunity for the survivor, the person impacted by the harm, the victim, to state what they need from the responsible party, and for the responsible party to step into that process from a place of accountability, for community stakeholders to be present, and for there to be a new way forward or a new way through that's rooted in the obligations being met um, of the harm that happened. So there's there's a real um, a desire for Repair is the best word that I have right now, sometimes for transformation, because I think repair and closure tend to fall into that same area, right? That we're, we're mm-hmm. understanding and accepting that things will never be as they were before this harm happened, before this injury occurred, before in Donald and Christopher's case, before, before Loeche was killed. However, what does Donald need? What is he requesting so that he can start to put the net one foot in front of the other to find a new way forward to forge this different path. And I think that restorative justice is being really commodified. Um, I think that there are a lot of terrific things being done in schools, for example, um, in other organizations, but it's not necessarily restorative justice. I think there are restorative practices happening, but restorative mm-hmm. justice is really looking at bringing folks together to make things, as we say, as right as possible. And it's Mm -hmm. a real alternative to the system that we currently use of punitive justice. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when you you say as right as possible, and I also heard Mm -hmm. the word needs, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a wrong that has been done. Um, it, for us to experience um, a justice that we haven't seen. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so, so what, 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 what I hear is, um, is, is a lot like the definition that, that, that we give at Talking Peace 
is uh, restorative justice is a way of finding out what are our common values and how do we use those values to get the things that we need from our community. Um, Absolutely. And there's, and there's another beautiful piece I just want to add in there quickly around, around equity and around dignity. And those, yes. those are important pieces in this process as well. Oh yeah, it, it, it sounds like we're having a values conversation because <laughs> I just I, I just thought about honor, just thinking about Don. Um, Don, um, what was um, what is how important is it to forgive? And I know I'm jumping the gun as far as this conversation is concerned because we there's major holes before we get to the forgiveness, but I think that it's important for people to um, understand. Um, what forgiveness is. A lot of times people think that if I forgive this person, that means I'll, 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 I'll forget somehow, and, and, and that means I'm, um, I'm inviting these people into my house. Or, or, so so can, can you tell us a little bit about w what it's like, to, like, what is forgiveness, and what is it like to, to experience a true forgiveness? Well, first of all, my condolences on the loss of your sister, I believe you said, um, I, when I look back on my life, there's always been divine providence. And my first introduction, well, other than, you know, growing up uh, Catholic and learning Jesus's, some one of his final words was, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. But I'll never forget when I was uh, working ostensibly a lot, spent a lot of time in Los Angeles in 1995. I used to go to uh uh, Bishop Chip Murray searched first day of me, and I'll never forget this woman, and I don't know her name, but I, I can see her face clearly. She got up to testify, and she told the story of her 14-year-old son who was shot in the head four times and murdered by a young man who wanted his Nikes. And then she said uh, every month, she goes to the prison. He was convicted, life in prison. She goes to the prison and studies the word of God with him. And I, I just remember I, I just collapsed. I fell to the floor. I cried. I, 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 I couldn't comprehend what that looked like. And I remember waiting afterwards to talk to this woman. And there was, I waited to the very end, and I hugged her, and I was still crying. And I said, I don't understand how you did that. And she said, with God, all things is possible, young man. Just remember that. And, again, as it related to me years later, when my moment came uh, that I definitively, I went back and forth, if I could do this for years, when I definitively decided I have to do this, I thought about that woman, and I thought about her grace, her strength, her, her love for not only that young man, who, uh, for not only her son, I meant to say, but the young man who took her son's life. And it was in that moment that I understood exactly what she did and why she did it. So, and again, for me, I didn't want to do this just for me and for him. And, and it was amazing how when Karina presented the Redemption Project to me, because I had told her prior to that even happening, and it took longer. I mean, they, there was an opportunity to meet him at first, 
And I said, no, I want cameras to be there, not because I want to be on television. I've been on television a million times, I, it, not for that, but I wanted to set an example of forgiveness. And then by God's grace, the opportunity for Van Jones' show presented itself subsequently months or maybe even a year after that, after I expressed that out loud. So that was always my intention to show, and because, you know, doing this work that I've done in the last 20 years, and it's always tit for tat in this violence epidemic, that particularly the black and brown communities, but particularly the black community, when someone is killed, you know, there's retaliation and so on and so forth. So I wanted to just use my unfortunate circumstance to just show that it's possible. And I, I, I really don't know what it looks like for everybody other than what it looked like for me. But I just wanted to prove that it can be done. And that was my yes, motivation. Mm. Yes, sir. Mm. Can I jump in? Um, oh, just a moment. Is yeah. I just, I, it feels really important for me to, um, one, really love on and honor and uh, just share my deep care for Donald as a person and as a father um, and as a mentor in in our community. I think that um, Donald came, as he said, to this process with a a deep and sincere message of forgiveness. And that was something that was very important to him from the very beginning. I also want to just articulate that forgiveness, while it often comes during these processes, it's not something that is required in order for restorative justice to take place. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just feels that there's so many definitions or feelings about forgiveness. What is forgiveness? What does it look like for me? What might it look like for you? That there's not, uh, that that's, that's not the ultimate goal of this process. Um, and that it was definitely a, a big piece of what Donald wanted to bring forth as, as he shared for not just himself and for Christopher, but for, for the community. Okay. Well, um, Karina, thank you. On that, on that note, yeah. Karina, what what is the um, ultimate goal for this process? You know, I think that it's different for every person. I remember at one point when they were doing the filming, and I think it was Van who asked, how will you know this has been a success? What will success look like? And for me, success doesn't even feel like the right word. Um, I would, and I, so I think I said something to the effect of, like, I will be satisfied if both Donald and Christopher complete this part of the process, having had their needs and desires for this process met. Beautiful. Mm. Eric, I want to go back to Don for a minute, and I just want to acknowledge what you shared, Don, uh, a moment ago about how there were a lot of, I was hearing mixed feelings um, and pain um, and your willingness to still come and share with us tonight. 
I just want to thank you and acknowledge you. Thank yeah. you. And um, I really appreciate, Karina, how you shared just now about um, this conversation that is very robust and has been for years in the field of restorative justice around, um, you know, especially when it comes to uh, a greater public view um, through media or articles or what have you of forgiveness right next to mm. this. Um, term restorative justice and that they are not synonyms but what I'm hearing you describe and what Don is sharing is he you know this is the the conditions are cultivated for the possibility of that to occur but it is not a requirement is, is that correct exactly exactly right on <coughs> thank you and Eric, I'd love to check in with Cassidy. Um, Cassidy Friedman is with us tonight too. And also to um, just let everybody know that's with us, uh, heartfelt thanks to you for being here tonight, wherever you're coming in from. We have people from all over the country and from Canada with us tonight. If you'd like to ask a question, we're gonna open that up here in about 15 minutes. You can do so through the webcast on the Q&A tab uh, you also can raise your hand to ask a live question, which just all that takes is star two on your keypad. Um, if you have any other needs or concerns about how to get involved, um, use the chat room, which is over um, on the panel from the webcast. We look forward to hearing your comments and reflections here just shortly. So Cassidy, I just want to welcome your voice into the space and see if there's anything that you wanted to bring right now into the conversation. And so grateful you're here with us. Hey, hey all. I had myself on mute because we had a baby um, a week ago on Monday, and there's been a lot of crying over here. Um, and so um, I'm going to take a back seat, but. Um, I want to just make myself available as as a film director and somebody who's really familiar with the um, the media space to answer any questions about um, about sort of the, the 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 massively important work that Karina and Donald and and Chris and everybody who's involved in this project are doing to move the needle um, and and to build a movement around. Um, the, the, this restorative practices movement that is, um, is 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 constantly having false assumptions made about it. The two biggest ones I think are um, one: nobody cares about restorative practices because it's not mainstream enough. Um, you, you through this show, you've proven that that's not true. Um, so it, it's so it's so important what you've done. And the the second piece is. Karina, you kind of alluded to it is that i can I can feel from you how protective you are of of this process mm -hmm. and and the fact that you were able to navigate that protectiveness that need to preserve the authenticity of the work that is being done and at the same time provide a window into this work so that the world can see it because that's so necessary and as as Donald said too the he, showing this example of forgiveness, you, you, what you've done is so powerful in and of itself, 
and then to give us a window into what you're doing and what and 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 to 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 really bring the the world into this story is just so massively important and so um so i i, I, I you know that's all I wanted to say. This is this is a, a really really big deal, and congratulations to everybody who was involved. Right on, right on. Thank that's, you, Cassie. That's big. That's big. Um, mm-hmm. on on that note, um, what what is, of course, prepping folks for um a conversation like this is very difficult. And um, and you definitely have to build a relationship at the exact same time, which could be the reason why um, you, you feel like there's a like like you're you're part of this, um, and and you, this has to this has to have been really really difficult. What was the uh, the relationship building process like for uh, for for Christopher? And and, and this question. Um, for Karina and Don. Eric, do you mean what was the relationship process building um, between Christopher and Donald or Christopher and myself? Yes. Or for me and Donald, all, all of the above? Um, yes. So I, can, <laughs> I don't want to speak for Christopher, but I can speak for myself um, that it was a long process uh, we met, I think, from probably a total of, correct me if I'm wrong, Donald, I want to say 16 months by the time that we, yeah, from when the first time we went, yeah, and started talking, and, you know, we would talk on the phone, we would meet in person, we would text. Uh, with Christopher, it meant having regular, doing regular uh, meetings inside of San Quentin, and we really did a lot of uh, storytelling. I think there was a lot of a lot of talking about what the impact had been. Um, Donald's personal story, Christopher's personal story, how what the threads are that connect throughout their lives and other relationships, family, work, and part of the process was really getting to a place where when it's time to have the actual dialogue, which was the first time that the three of us plus Susan and Alexis were in the room together, is that as much has been uncovered as possible, that we have really asked all of the questions that we could think of asking, that uh, there's been as much communication either through me or through the facilitator as a conduit between Donald and Christopher, um, and that their desired outcomes had really been expressed. So it was a long process of relationship building and entrusting each the other and um, and both of them entrusting me with with their stories and their processes that began long before the 16 months of our working on this piece of, of, of their journey. Don, you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Um, actually, before I met Karina, I'll show you how things work again, divine providence, every uh, 
every so often I go to this McClyman's. My daughter went to McClyman's High School. They have a reunion uh, picnic, whatever, and there's always people there from the 70s all the way up into my daughter's class and beyond. And I ran into a young man who uh, said he went to visit Chris on a regular basis. And I told him, I said, well, you know what? When you go see him again, you tell him, I, 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 I want to try to come see him. I want to talk to him. And then I think that was maybe a, hmm, a year, maybe a year and a half before I even met Karina and started the official process. So that was it. And then um, I remember Karina asking me once the process began that Christopher wants to write you a letter. So I told her yes. And when I got the letter, it literally sat on my desk for three, almost a weeks, almost a month before I could open it. And I opened the letter and I read it. And he was very contrite. He apologized. He said how much he loved my daughter. And he had a, he expressed a lot of remorse. And <laughs> coincidentally enough, or not, I should say, the the letter kind of put me in a place where I couldn't respond. And I I had even had doubts if I wanted to go forward with it. I don't know why. That's just the way. I think it took me maybe six weeks or longer to write him back. And uh, I went through a, a period of, of of really doubting that I could go through with it, the whole process and all of that, and we kind of got uh, stuck in the mud again. But once I came out of that, then uh, my resolve was finally to to make this happen, and I wrote him back. And then we, Karina and I, met a few times, and then the dialogue happened. Right on, Don. Man, I got I got tears in my eyes, man. I wish we were actually physically in circle. Um, I, man, people people say a lot. Um, it's in. I, I want to know victims victims of tragedies always I hear I hear them say they want to know. What what is it why is it important to know and 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 and, and, and what did you not know that you you're glad you know now? Well I still never really got the answer why but it wasn't he didn't even know. If you saw the right. program he uh uh, you know, I've heard over the years so many different things that, you know, somebody stole somebody's girlfriend and somebody got shot and somebody uh, stole some drugs from somebody. I, 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 the rumors have been endless. The whole question everybody was asking me, why, 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 why did this happen? And I still may never know that answer. But, no, I, I, I take that back friend of mine I talked to after the episode who was there from the beginning and we we started operating the Love Life Foundation out of his house. He knew my daughter from the time she was a little girl. And uh, he said, when you ask the question why, it was because it was God's will. You know, like he talked about the whole thing when how, and I didn't find out until that day I spoke to Maya and Portia, her friends, that she was originally sitting in the front seat. And then she got in the back seat. So, and that that was her. She those words came out of her mouth. I want to sit in the back because I don't want my boyfriend to think, you know, I'm with this guy or whatever. So, right. 
if you really look at it like that, then, you know, even her, the way she was born, I was talking to a friend this morning uh, who knew her too as a child, and uh, she was saying, you know, your daughter was like a comet, and her mission from the time before she came and the time after she left was to get all of us to love life, the meaning of her name. Because if you really love and appreciate the gift that this wondrous thing of life is, then how can you ever kill anybody? So, I mean, I've had to learn that I can only uh, thank God for what I know, forget about what I don't know, and just, you know, move forward and honor her her memory the best way I can. That That's my whole motivation. And I've just gone to accept the fact that there's some things I might never know and then maybe it's not important for me to know anyway. Right on. Right on. Don, you, you mentioned quite a few times during the episode, um, the, I think it was a phrase, uh, carrying it around and carrying something for 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 decades and i i wondered if you might be willing to share a little bit more about um if what that meant to you and if um through this journey that you're taking and and still are taking um i mean just because you and chris hugged and you all walked away from that one process that we happened to have a little glimpse of. There's still there's still a, a journey for you, but uh, I mean I don't want to tell you that. You could tell tell us and share that with us if you're willing. But what what was taken off your shoulders? Um, and are you still feeling like you're carrying some things with you? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I know when I walked out of the jail that day and I was with my dear friend Alexis, I told her I felt like a million pounds had been lifted off of my chest, you know. Um, so I, 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 I definitely felt a relief that I was able to do that again because, you know, there's a... <laughs> without getting too uh, abstract, there's an ancient African proverb that says that children, before they come to the world, choose their parents. And I really felt like my daughter chose me for that moment. So who am I to do anything less but then to honor her wishes? So I felt like that was what I was ordained to do by her and by the creator was to do that, to to forgive, regardless if, you know, there's still some unanswered questions or some things I don't feel that uh, were answered to my satisfaction. The bottom line is that I, 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 I remember the night she was killed. Um, the next day I, her mother and I talked and I told her, I vowed to her that our daughter's life and death would serve a purpose. So I felt like I kept my promise to her mother and to her. So everything else is it pales in significance compared to that. I did what I was supposed to do. Karina, 
Um, I, okay. I do this work too, man. So I know it's um, it's really hard. Um, holding all of these stories and these, um, and just going off of the same um, thing that Molly was saying, like holding on to stuff. Um, how do you how do you take care of yourself after having to hear all of these stories and personalize them and 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 hold them in your heart? How do you how do you take care of yourself after that? That's such an important question and one that I I don't yet have a satisfactory answer to, but I will say that uh I am a work in progress. I I think that I am drawn to this work because of my own history and my own life experience and my own holding that I am doing. And I think that also gives me uh capacity to hold the stories of other other people. I feel I come away from from these circles, from these dialogues, from these processes with so much um, faith in in humanity and seeing what what is possible. So I find that to be really supportive in a tangible way. I have just started a yoga practice again as of the last month. I have right more, I'm, I'm prioritizing my own wellness and self-care because to be really transparent, I just started to realize that it was tanking, um, that I was not getting enough sleep, I was not exercising. I was packing my days really full. I was working late into the night because, as we all know, as being in this work, that it doesn't stop. There's not a point where your work is sort of checked off for the day. So having to have really firm boundaries with myself has been important. I sit, uh, I see someone for counsel. I work with a medicine person and get a lot of support from him. I have a really important and tight circle of close friends, and I lean on them heavily. And I try to have fun with my kid. Um, I try and get out into the sun when it's around, and I love cooking. I love good food. Yes. Those are those are the things. You know, it's helped me uh to really hone in on what I want my relationships to be and it's helped me shed the extraneous people um and aspects of life that don't nourish me. So it's been it's been instructive in a lot of ways and I have to level up to meet it. Right on. Don, how you love yourself back, brother? Well, I'm glad you asked Karina that question, first of all, because that's <laughs> something I expressed to her um, when I when I saw what she does and how she does it. I, I'm in total awe of her and people like her and yourself who do this work. I don't know how you cannot help but internalize and take that work home. But for me, man, it's getting on stage. That's. That's my couch. If it wasn't for that, 
some therapists would be very rich dealing with me because I got issues. <laughs> I but it, being on stage and doing my art, I let it all go, you know. And uh, hey, it's good for me and it's good for the audience because uh, without being able to express myself creatively, uh, I don't know where I'd be. But other than that, it's music, man. I uh, I listen to real music, you know, the Stevie Wonders, the Marvin Gaye's, the Bob Marley's, people like that. And uh, that's where I go to just feel human, you know. And and, and I, I got to say more than that, it's the young people. Like some of those young people you saw in the episode, oh, my God, I, I just, uh, I like to say, wow, while I lost one, I've gained thousands. I've, I've got so many wonderful people in my life who just bless me with riches mm-hmm. immeasurably. So that's what really keeps me going. Yes, sir. Man. Mm. Woo. I got chills, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> so Molly, I, I can do this all night, you. so you better jump in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank everybody right now. We are, of course, um, in conversation with Karina Montag. She is with Stronghold, which is a wonderful organization We really would recommend, if you haven't already checked out their work, go to www.wearestronghold.org and also, of course, Don and Don Lacey, Loisha's Papa, um, both in Episode 3 from the Redemption Project with Van Jones on Sunday evening. Um, If you missed the episode, you can go to Go dot cnn dot com log in with your cable provider or you can also subscribe to um, sling television which is something you can get on a laptop and it has a dvr function so just a couple reminders about how to catch up also the recordings from these discussions are at restorative justice on the rise dot org backslash discussion dash series that's a, a useful website to find more information also about CNN's resources and their um, social assets surrounding this entire series. So I just want to go ahead and open this up to you, um, our wonderful international community tonight, to be a part of the conversation. If you'd like to ask a question, you can do so by pressing star 2 on your telephone keypad I believe on a lot of um, the devices that are used on webcasts, they offer you a mic that you can speak through. So if you're coming in through the webcast, you can also get involved if you'd like. Uh, Alternatively, you can um, submit your question on the Q&A tab, which is over at the webcast page. And those links and information for all of you who have registered should be coming to you each week. And I just would like to go back to kind of link um, last week's discussion that we had with Gretchen Casey um, from the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding and Callan Gill, who um, was the author of The Impact, um, very significant impact on the Stokes family. Um, Of course, Ashley is um, the what, what we call in the criminal justice system the victim, and she is um, in a wheelchair and is living her life 
uh, with neurological and physical impacts. Um, and that it was a powerful session last week. And one of the things that Gretchen so eloquently brought up was that we, we tend to other each other. And that's why I'm so happy to be here with Eric tonight, co-hosting. Um, he, he has very significant conversations about finding common values, common humanity, especially significant to race. So again, if you're in the Oakland area, you're going to want to check out um, the two-day event that he and others are hosting and putting together on um, race, basically, and racial harm. But my, my question for both of you, Karina and Don, is, if you're willing, what is your experience of othering and what, um, how does the restorative justice process help remove some of the, the natural assumptions and imaginations we might have about each other? And Eric, you can add to that if you'd like. And again, please start submitting your questions. Thank you. I, um, I really thank you for this question. And to circle back to something that sort of dropped in the beginning around dignity and equity, I, I think that we all have, you know, we've all been othered or many of us have been othered. Uh, and I think that that's also part of what, for me, drew me into this work is how do we find this common ground? How do we come together in a way that's not coming together and minimizing who we are or what we bring to the table, how we walk in the world, but it's holding that alongside what is our common ground and how do we move forward through a process where harm has happened. So I really, I appreciate that question. Thank you. I'm sorry, what was the question again? I'm sorry. If you'd be willing, Don, to speak of um, your either your hands-on experience or your observation um, through your process and your journey or just in, in general in your life of how we have a human tendency to other um, and in, you know, in, in specific perhaps, did, was there any observation that you might have had um, before you met with Chris uh, or just in general about how restorative justice um, can help to bridge the gaps that we create about people and to bring more humanity absolutely. into does that make sense uh, absolutely I feel <laughs> okay that thank you restorative justice is the, the 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 nod of the pendulum to swing it back I feel like we're in a despite all the craziness going on with the 45 and all of the the vitriol and 
everything that's prevalent in social media and everywhere else, that the pendulum is just about to start swinging in the op- opposite direction, and things like restorative justice is part of that move to swing the pendulum because sooner or later we have to start celebrating the humanity in each and every one of us. You know, uh, even before I met Chris, I've often gone into the jails and juvenile halls and talked to, you know, felons and, and people who have made mistakes and try to use my story as a way to empower them to contribute back what they took out of the community. And I feel like that there's a real revolution in process right now. I was talking to Van earlier, and I told him that that there's, and we're all revolutionaries to put love back on the planet, the highest vibration in the world. Someone asked me this as an artist and as a human being. I answered as a human being. They said, well, what's your, what's, your, uh, what's your goal as an artist? And I said, well, my goal as an artist and as a human being is to raise the vibration of love on the planet. That's what we should all be about, raising the vibration of love on the planet. That's what's going to save, you know, this world from all of the evil and the hatred and the inhumane things that we do to each other as human beings. If we really start loving and appreciating how precious this gift of life is and treating each other accordingly. And, again, I, I hearken back to my daughter's mission to remind us, love life. A friend of mine often says, you know, McDonald's, everybody knows they sell hamburgers, but they remind you 20 times a day to go get one. That's what we have to start doing with this revolution and this love life movement, if you will, is to keep reminding us to love each other and to love life. And, you know, uh, this process for me just reaffirmed that is my mission for my time left on this planet. Man. Mm. We got to remind him a million times a day? Hey, hey, however it takes, Eric. I know know McDonald's reminds you a million times a day, so why not? (laughs) Man, I don't even even like McDonald's hamburger, but I I love me some love. Yes, sir. (laughs) Oh, man. I love me some humanity, so I'm going to remind folks, man. Thanks for that, man. Love life. Yes, sir. Just want to appreciate the comments coming in um, saying uh, from Tim. Thank you, Tim. Saying how he's appreciating how much time it takes to properly set up a face-to-face. You know, I know that we went into that earlier but one of the primary uh, curiosities, I think, for many people who are with us and who might be watching would be, you know, what what is that experience? I mean, we only see a very minimal glimpse of what you all experienced. So um, I just really want to appreciate, like, how you unpacked that for us tonight. Is there anything else you'd want to say about that on that note? About about what we didn't see in the episode. Oh yeah, there, yeah. Thank you for that because 
I don't know, Karina, the dialogue lasted uh, close to, I want to say, the four hours or maybe longer. We took a break, and it's it's, yeah. it's hard to really capture the totality of that, the ups and downs of that, but I think Jason and uh, his producers did an amazing job of of giving people the crux of of what it was all about, you know, um, and, and and again for me and for him, um, for him to express his contrition and for me to express my forgiveness, and I think they 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 very uh, eloquently captured that. I absolutely would concur, Don, and um, there's a question coming in about how how did you feel at the moment that Chris came into the room? Um, he was he he obviously was there was a lot of emotion there for him. Would you be willing to share a bit about that that moment? Yeah, um, and I realized, and he 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 said this to me off camera. Uh, everywhere I go, I take that big 11, and I don't know if they really showed it in the shot, that 11 by 17 blow-up picture of my daughter. And I would take that to court every day, and, I, and that's why he didn't look at me, because it was just too emotional, and, and I get that for him. So when he walked in, and I'm sitting there, and, he, and I'm holding up her picture, that was the first thing he saw, and he he had an honest real emotional breakdown moment, <laughs> pardon me, just just looking at her picture. So, you know, again, I, I had a good sense uh, after reading his letter and then talking to Karina uh, in, in preparation and uh, of, of, the, of the meeting where his heart was, but he, he, he revealed it from the first minute he, he he walked in the room, and that actually helped let my guard down because I, I was very guarded because I just didn't know what to expect. So, yeah, I, I was in a way relieved to see him openly uh, be emotional like that initially from walking into the room. Wow. Can I I'll just add something in here briefly um, that – in in our punitive justice system that that responsible persons when you know when you're going through your trial when you're going to a parole board hearing um in particular that you're not allowed to make eye contact with the victim slash survivors so i guess i just want to underscore the the impact for both Donald and Christopher that here we are decades later and Donald had been holding this question and had had this desire for Christopher to look him in the eye eyes and for that to finally happen for for Christopher to see the photo for for Donald to see, you know, all all of that um, has been held by these two people for so long that 
the impact of when that first eye contact was able to happen, I think, was incredibly potent and incredibly powerful for both of them. Incredible. And Karina, that is a link back also to last week's session in many ways of uh, a lot of times people don't realize and um, the Stokes family didn't realize that Callan had been hoping to reach out to them, but she was prevented by law from doing so. And um, that is a very, you know, that's that's just a standard practice of the traditional criminal justice system. Um, and yet, Don, what are your reflections on that? Like, what what does that prevent us from being able to do? I mean, I I I know I think we all grok why that's in place. It's there for victim safety. Um, that's what they, you know, that that that's what they sell it as, right? That it's to protect people. But does it really protect them? And Don, did you know that he couldn't make eye eye contact with you? Uh, I knew that. Uh, no, I wasn't aware of that in court. Uh, I wasn't aware of that at all. And, uh, and um, I mean, even, you know, since his release, you know, he has to get permission. And I will say, we and Karina was there, we presented uh, the Love We, the Love Life Foundation, presented him at a public meeting at uh, Barnes & Noble's uh, bookstore, uh, and he got up and spoke, and I spoke, and that was a very uh, emotional day. But we had to even get permission from the parole board for that. And I understand that, and 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 I get that because, you know, again, not everybody who has been uh, quote unquote victimized uh, wants any contact moving forward with the person. So I get that, but. Uh, in terms of the punitiveness of the so-called uh, judicial system and, and all of that, I mean, the whole system obviously needs uh, reform. You know, the death penalty is an archaic practice, and I've, I've been consistent in this for anybody, even the people, the other three people who were involved, including my daughter's case. I never advocated for that kind of thing. In fact, I was approached by several surviving members who are pro-death penalty to, you know, come to their thing at San Quentin and uh, add my voice to theirs, and I, I, I vehemently refused. I said, I'm not going to be hypocritical. I'm not for the Murder is wrong regardless if someone on the corner does it or the state of California or whomever. So I'm hopeful that people will look at the success of not just our instance but other uh, restorative justice programs as a model to address, you know, uh, criminal behavior uh, and rehabilitation because we all know uh, most people that go into jail aren't successfully rehabilitated. If anything, they become better criminals. Not all, but a lot. So what is it about the criminal justice system that isn't working? I mean, look at the recidivism, uh, recidivism rates. A lot of people come out, end up going back in because there's not enough things in place to support their transition to, uh, quote-unquote, society, 
and they end up going right back to the criminal lifestyle. So we really need to look at the whole thing from top to bottom and figure out, you know, programs like restorative justice, our joy, other programs that work, those are the type of things we need to be getting with moving forward. Mm. I just want to add the the statistics. um, um, I'm going to pass the mic to you in just a sec, Eric. The statistics for everyone who might be curious, um, out of Colorado, um, as of, I believe, 2017, for youth programs and processes was under 10% recidivism rates um, and wow. hovering near 85 to 90% victim and other stakeholder satisfaction rates. Now, uh, let me repeat that. That's 8 to 9 out of 10 impacted parties, victims, um, satisfied with the restorative justice process. So those those statistics are pretty powerful. This isn't just a panacea, wow. um, this journey that we're on. Eric. That's amazing. But just, if there's any other questions, I was, I was just adding uh, one more organization. I was just saying Talking Peace is one of those organizations too. So as we come towards the conclusion tonight, just want to, again, pass the mic back to you, Eric, if you'd like, um, and lead us into uh, just a kind of a closure here of our discussion and make sure that, that anyone else who would like to make a comment or ask a question gets an opportunity to do so. So start two on your telephone keypad or uh, through the Q&A or chat. Uh, areas tonight and just acknowledging our international group that is with us and um, for those listening in after the fact thanks for being with us so we have about four minutes left tonight and really would like to hear your closing thoughts each of you Eric would you like to start us out well I was just sitting here listening to the conversation and, and, and fully engaged and I was thinking about what um, with, we were talking about at the very beginning about restorative justice um, and, and, and how important it is for our values to, for us to find out what our values are and, and how, 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 we're in, how we're in common in those values. And, and a few of those values that we talked about just tonight and, and we agreed on was love, forgiveness, honor, understanding, faith, grace, strength, possibility, family, transparency, humanity, purpose, dignity, equity, and vibration. Um, We all have these values in common. And if we can just exercise these values on purpose, the same way they do at McDonald's, we'll all be able to feel the vibration of love and life. Let's love life, y'all. Yes, sir. Mm. <laughs> I just Karina. want to say that. Go ahead, Karina. Go ahead, Don. No, I just want to say thank you all for uh, having me, us, and I want to again thank my Shira, <laughs> Karina, who I just adore the ground she walks on. Um, I, I want to uh, say for everyone who's doing this work, uh, 
may God bless you and keep you. And for those of you listening, uh, go to lovelifefoundation.org and support our program. We're volunteer. Nobody gets paid. All the tax-deductible donations goes towards doing programs with youth, and that's the way I want it. So uh, I'm, I'm blessed and honored again to be here with such a, a fine group of people and uh, love life. Let's keep the revolution in full process. I thank you so much. I just want to say thank you for yeah for having me. Thank you for having us, Donald. Thank you for trusting me. And um, I feel I feel joyful at the possibilities of being able to move forward collectively, holding each person in the circle and seeing everyone in there in our full dignity, not by the worst thing we have ever done, but um, Mm. by what is possible. Wow. That's such a beautiful way to conclude. It's just so beautiful. Thank you. You left out Cassidy. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Cassidy. Thank you. Cassidy, if you're still with us, um, we'd love to hear your closing thoughts tonight. And, again, Cassidy Friedman is an amazing film producer and director, and specifically I want to, again, make a mention of Circles, a documentary. Beautiful film. Highly recommend it, circlesmovie.com. Cassidy. Thank you, guys. It's been such a pleasure getting to sit in on this call. And and um, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, just kind of zooming out, like what the takeaway is from a media perspective. And, and, it, and it's really, it's a call to action. Um, I feel like we're leaving this with a call to action. And what we have is, we have these rampant myths about what restorative practices are, what this work really consists of, and, and what it is, what it's not. And it's so easy for the armchair critics to shoot down this work from their living room couch and to say it doesn't work, it's soft on crime, and they use these euphemisms instead of challenging the actual work. And that's because there's not enough high-profile examples of the work at work. And what you've done here is you provided an antidote to that. You're, you, and it takes so much more courage for you to stand up and, and make yourself vulnerable and provide these contradictory stories that show this is not, this is not easy. Um, and, and for you in particular, as the father of the victim, the strength that you're modeling is so powerful and it sends a message to the hundreds of thousands of people who have seen this, this piece. And, we got to tell more stories like this, and we and we've got to make this infectious, and we've got to rival McDonald's. And um, I'm doubling down <laughs> after this call. So thank you guys. Mm. I want to back up what Cassidy just shared about a call to action by just reminding everybody that there's resources that can be found 
at the National Association for Community and Restorative Justice page, which is NACRJ.org. That's a U.S.-based but internationally um, connected wheelhouse for restorative justice and practices in the United States. And they also have an upcoming conference in Denver, Colorado. That's uh, pre-conference uh, sessions on June 13th and then June 14th through 16th in Denver, Colorado. And also, Restorative Justice on the Rise has a resource map that if you are doing restorative justice work or related work, feel free to go over there and place a listing. We created that map for uh, the purposes of getting people connected with the resources that they need. That's restorativejusticeontherise.org. It's a free listing. Um, and an ability to connect with other people that are coming to the website to find out more and to listen into the over 200 podcasts that are available there. So, again, it's been an honor. This has been a very moving conversation. Um, just want to thank each of you for being here with us tonight. Like Don said, please go to the Love Life Foundation if you haven't already checked out their work providing a platform for youth, youth to succeed, an anti-violence youth advocacy and training, um, just a few of the um, things that they offer at lovelifefoundation.org. And then finally, of course, and not least, is the Stronghold organization that Karina is a part of with other partners, offering distinct and experienced um, services in restorative and transformative justice, and they guide individuals, collectives, and organizations toward grounded accountability and action, um, and so much more. So please make sure to go out and, and contact them, check them out, engage with them, and um, we'll look forward to seeing you again next week at this same time frame for episodes, uh, episode four's honored guests. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Karina. Thank you, Thank Eric you. and Cassidy, and to all of you. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Mark and Cassidy. Thank you. Good night, everyone. See you next week. Good night. Good night.